Misfits, and welcome to the Paranormal Misfit Podcast. I am your host, Chrissy, and I'm here to talk about all things paranormal and spooky, from experience I've had to the shows, movies, books, to the lores and legends, and to the places known for the paranormal. I'm going to talk about it all. I myself am a believer with a healthy set of skepticism. You'll hear my thoughts and feelings about different topics, so cozy up with your favorite beverage of choice and listen along. For tonight's episode, um, it has topics of suicide, mental health issues, youth abuse, tragedy, and more, so listen, listener discretion is advised. Also, uh, the opinions and thoughts I share in this show are mine and mine alone, so basically don't, you know, it's not, it's not set in stone, don't, don't take my word as like the end all. Whew. Okay, so on to the topic. Um, I hope you all have had a fantastic week so far. I know I have. I had a Hocus Pocus viewing party uh, last Saturday at my bestie's house, Um, and now we're planning a few more fun Halloween things to do this month. Uh, Also, I'm a huge Discovery Plus uh, subscriber, and this month is their kickoff for Ghosttober, and I couldn't be more excited because they have tons of stuff lined up, and I'm just, oh. I have it all planned. Um, so anyways, while I'm not the biggest fan of them now, I was in the very beginning uh, when they first came out. Ghost Adventures was the first ghost hunting show that got me into the paranormal today. As you know, they've kicked off their newest season with a two-hour two episode special called Ghost Adventures Devil's Den, which does tie into tonight's topic, Los Pradinos, Pradrinos, sorry, Juvenile Hall. So a little backstory on the Juvenile Detention Center. Um, It was opened in 1957 in Downey, California as a correctional facility for preteens and teens accused of crimes as small as shoplifting all the way to murder. This center was uh, used to house the youths that were awaiting court and or to be moved to a new center. Open for over 60 years, this center housed both the male and female youth. This place was highly criticized during its operation. There were high rates of youth suicides and a despair within the community. The most recent issue, prior to closing at the end of July in 2019, was six guards who were detained for the excessive use of pepper spray on teenage girls. While it was reported that the workers of the center felt outnumbered and overpowered by the juveniles, there were far larger issues at hand. Um, For the information that I found, in 1990, California Youth Authority decertified the facility itself, which was overcrowded as youths were found sleeping on the floor. Staff was not processing health reports in a timely manner, and the facilities itself failed to meet fire codes. Um, Originally, when this facility was designed, it was designed to house 401 youths, but at the time of decertification, they had over 741 youths in the facility. So, totally overcrowded. The center has a building called The Shoe, 
or special handling unit, where if you were a youth who didn't follow the rules or the personnel, you were sent there. So in 2001, the facility was found to violate the constitutional and federal statutory rights of the youth residents. Correctional personnel were found to be using excessive use of pepper spray in which they sprayed handcuff use, those with asthma, pregnant girls, youth with mental issues such as suicidal and with special needs. Children who had mental health issues did not receive proper care for these issues while housed in the center. Some of the major deaths that happened in the center, um, these are a few that I found um, on not their website, but it looked like someone who had created the website, kind of like a, a justice type of uh, website. <clears throat> so on July 1st, 2018, a 16-year-old Long Beach boy hung himself with bedsheets in the Los Padrinos Juvenile Hall, was eventually pronounced dead after being in critical condition for six days. The child was pronounced dead at 4.34 a.m. on July 7th, 2008. Uh, L.A. County Probation Department reported that the child was in the infirmary at Los Padrinos and was discovered by probation staff during a bed check. He was rushed to Downey Regional Medical Center and placed on a ventilator where he was placed on the critical condition. Let's see. The probation department noted this is the first time in more than 20 years that this has happened. It is unclear whether the minor had mental health issues prior to entering the juvenile hall. All children are given a mental health screening prior to their admission to the, the juvenile hall. The child was not considered high risk for depression during his intake at Los Padrinos Juvenile Hall. Whew. Okay. So then, let's see, that was 2008. So four years later, the Los Angeles jury convicts L.A. County probation officer for beating up a 13-year-old child while in custody at the Los Padrinos Juvenile Hall. <clears throat> On October 31st, the jury convicted Dwayne Jordan of four felony counts alleging that he beat up a 13-year-old year old boy being detained at the juvenile hall in 2009. The jury convicted him of assault by a public officer, corporal injury to a child, assault with a deadly weapon, and willful cruelty to a child likely to cause great bodily injury. He faced up to, that's it? Six years, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he faced up to six years in state prison on November 30th, 2012. Are you kidding me? Judge John Fisher sentenced the probation officer to only four years in state prison. Oh my God. According to the Los, Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office, the probation officer allegedly kneed the 13-year-old in the face, oh my God, and pushed him into the floor. The child, who was only five feet, five inches tall and weighed 130 pounds, suffered a cut and bruising to his face and broke a front tooth oh my um the case was prosecuted by the deputy district attorney natalie adaman i probably butchered her last name of the justice system integrity division the probation officer was fired from the probation department the majority of probation officers at this juvenile hall are, hall are quoted to be hard-working and dedicated employees and are disappointed by the incident hmm. okay sorry <clears throat> 
some of this information I am about to speak on. I got from, um, so all of the information prior to this, I had gotten off websites. This one in particular, this information next, will be from Ghost Adventures Devil's Den while they were interviewing different, um, both former guards and employees of the facility to um, those who were juvenile youth um, housed in that facility. So Andy, a former gang member and youth at the center, spoke about the guards roughing up the youth, pinning them down, putting their adult weight on the youth. Jared, one of the former inmates, was hit by a guard in the chest for yelling in his cell. The former guard working in the shoe spoke about the building being used as a unit to hold the suicidal youth, calling it the devil's den. Um, they claim that youth were speaking in tongue and telling the mental health doctors about them. Some youths were cutting themselves and drawing sigils in their blood. There's one room where they were said to have performed rituals. This is all the youth housed in the shoe. <clears throat> Another youth hung himself in the infirmary, which I had touched on earlier. And one former inmate that the team interviewed, his name was Ned. You could feel his sadness. Um, about his time and experiences at the facility. Both, um, both the mental and physical abuse. A former volunteer, um, they kept her identity hidden, uh, states that there was a feeling of sadness over the girls that she would interact with. And there was a guard <laughs> who used to watch them shower. That's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> this one makes me kind of just ugh. all right so guards and inmates um as ghost adventures was coming to do their investigation they found it was really hard to get guards former guards and former inmates to return back to the grounds a former volunteer as i said earlier spoke about her experiences there and thought that the building itself was haunted um the former inmate andy uh they said it took a while to convince him to go into the building. There's a particular room. Sorry. So now we're getting into the. Oh, skipped over that. Now we're getting into the supernatural stuff um, that was reported by those who had stayed on, in the facility. Um, so as I said, the facility closed in 2019. By 2022, Ghost Adventures gotten cleared to uh, do a ghost invest ghost investigation, paranormal investigation. <laughs> okay so there's a particular room uh room 20 that draws ned who was another former inmate um in which causes him to have flashbacks and become oh become <laughs> overcome with sadness whew, and begins crying which you can you can't help but feel for him wanting to give him a hug i know i did Jeff, the cameraman, who is this big, bald, who looks like a burly man, um, swore that he saw shadow people walking in the shoe, and he kept coming back to the building by himself, though it was against Zach's wishes. Which, again, every time they found him, they found him in room 20. Um, the poor man was super affected by the energy and found in one of the rooms that were considered the one of considered one of the rooms in which the youth performed devil worshipping. <laughs> youth were reported being touched. Uh, 
Youth reported being touched, something sitting on their bed with them, seeing shadows in and outside of the cell. Rooms 10 and 20 stated... Rooms 10 and 20, it was stated that the kids were devil-worshipping in. Uh, during their initial interview and kind of like a walkthrough of the facility before they did their lockdown, you can hear a toilet that flushes and a bathroom in the shoe. Uh, it went off by itself. And... What they showed was it wasn't like a motion sensor is one of those, the button, like a big steel button on the wall you got to push in. And normally those are kind of hard to push in. Um, let's see. Ah, uh, yes. So, all right. I was a, I was a fan of Ghost Adventures when they first came out, like way back when, what was that, like 2007, 2008 time period. Um, and like I said, they got me, they got me where I am today really liking the paranormal i will watch some of their episodes just for sheer entertainment um so some of the stuff i'm about to say like i watched it i was like what the fuck um but yeah so here we go <laughs> so at one point zach is recorded rubbing the walls in a very weird caressing way zach claims that the kids spoke in tongues um and all that was possessed like they were possessed the team, while they were doing their lockdown, felt rushes of coldness. They smelled nasty smells. They had EVVs, EVP spikes and voices. Shadow figures, touches, feelings of not feeling like themselves, scratches, times accounted for. Over the course of the two-hour special, while the guys were documenting their investigation of the place and what they personally experienced paranormal-wise, uh... And the ways that the team had acted made me go, eh. like, it really did. It made me go, guys, come on, like. So, I am totally behind the whole. I really like them, I don't know, I guess up until, like, their fifth or so season, then they started getting kind of out of hand. At least for me. That's just my opinion. If you're a complete and utter Ghost Adventures fan, you know, and you are wholeheartedly behind the way that they they do their investigations. That's great. I do question some of their stuff. They're very, uh, they like to instigate and I don't always agree with that. So, okay. So anyways, <laughs> so as I'm watching the episode, the team constantly talked about if they should keep going on. And this is not during the investigation. This is right before they decide to do their lockdown, you know, uh, with the way that some of their crew members were feeling, the way that some of their interviews were going, and how those interviewees were reacting. You know, they're like, oh my god, should we do this? Should we do this? Are we opening ourselves up to something that, you know, maybe we can't bounce back from? Because, you know, one of the main things that Zach always kind of references is Bobby Matthews. So, <clears throat> we have... Obviously, like I stated, if they should keep going on now, they do go on. Um, so a couple of weird, like, you kind of have to laugh at it. Um, for me, I know I laughed at it. I was like, what in the hell did I just watch? Uh, so one, one part, I'm so sorry for laughing. One part of it was Zach walking by the camera in a trance uh, with a plastic chair being very possessive over it. <laughs> like, that was wild. There was at least three times from when I was watching where Zach, Aaron, and Billy 
either all argued with each other or there would be a pair of them arguing with each other. And it kind of reminded me of like grumpy old men. And they really did fight over nothing um, in which they chalked it up to an evil force was making them do it. <laughs> you know, uh, Aaron and Jay rolled. Now, this one was kind of cool. Um, they tried to debunk it. I didn't, you know, I they did, they couldn't debunk that, you know, some sort of someone, someone, you know, in the actual real life realm had moved the ball. So Aaron and Jay rolled a ball that lit up down the hallway. And it was a bright one. Um, they stood off to the sides. And so Jay rolled it to Aaron and it somehow disappeared only to be found in another room, which would be hard to do without visibly seeing someone move it, which we did not see on camera. There is a statement by Zach and um, he states that there was a point when I was really disturbed. I lost time. I don't remember getting from point A to point B and that scares me. Baggins, Baggins, Baggins. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Baggins told the rap, which is uh, a website I had found some information on this uh, episode as well, along with the notes that I took during it. <laughs> so much fun. Um, and it was weird. While I was fighting with myself and fighting with Jay, uh, that's when there was a point in the episode where Aaron, not Aaron, Zach was literally. In Jay's face, and I commend this man because I'd have either laughed or pushed back because, you know, personal space. I like my bubble. Don't get in it. Like, he had, like, those weird eyes and, you know, was, like, moving his head side to side. Kind of reminded me of, like, the haunted house workers, like, where they sit there and they come around and they're doing all the weird side to side head movement and stuff. That's what it looked like. But anyways, so he stated... And it was weird. While I was fighting with myself and fighting with Jay, I had no idea that Aaron and Billy, who never fight, you know, those two were getting ready to throw down. Billy's the nicest guy in the world, and he was getting ready to knock Aaron out. We just wanted to kill each other. It was incredibly disturbing. Okay. Now, as Zach, this is during the episode, towards, towards about the end, um, I'd probably say like the last 15, 20, 20 minutes, 20 minute mark. Um, as Zach is giving some sort of monologue towards the end of the episode, he got mad when Billy kept saying he should wait as Jay, who they had sent to go alone into the shoe, which is a separate building from where they were at, was going to be calling over the walkie talkie. And this sent Zach into a straight childish fit until it happened. Jay calls over the walkie-talkie. Zach freaks out. Um, that was after he threw the walkie-talkie <laughs> stating, oh, let's not listen to Zach. Let's not do this. Let's let's interrupt. I swear it was like the biggest douchebag thing I think I'd watched in a while. Um, so as I said, Zach was having a fit until it actually happened. Jay calls over the walkie-talkie and then all of that happened. Uh, Zach has stated that this is another location along with the infamous Bobby Max that they would never return to after all of the demonic experiences and the toll it took on them after filming. Okay, so here are some of my thoughts on this. Okay, so bear with me. Like I said, this is strictly my opinion, my opinion only. And, you know, 
take it, take it however you like, make your own opinion, form your own opinion after gathering all of the information. So <clears throat> now I still watch, I do, I still watch the show as it entertains me. Over the years, it has seemed to gotten more theatrical than real. Um, I had issues with this episode. A lot of the Ghost Adventure team's action seemed staged and overdone. It felt like it was a sheer exploitation um, of those who worked and were incarcerated there like Ned. Watching him going over his experience and filtering through his emotions were real, but the questions about evil and demonic were so forced and exploitative. Ned cries about how the kids needed help with their mental health and they were being ignored. While I agree that there may be some evil there, evil comes in many forms in my opinion, and the lack of human decency to the kids by the guards and the courts themselves added more fuel to this fire. Um, you know, as I stated, this facility had major issues with suicide rates among the youth, and that's very telling. While the paranormal community... While in the paranormal community, there is talk about dark spirits affecting the living, throwing them into despair. I don't like the way that we treat this as if mental health, major mental health issues, um, that mental health issues that are there must be something demonic, like means that something is demonic and into play and all this stuff. Uh, to me, and through the reports and through all of the research I had did, on this uh, on this location, they it's been proven there weren't enough resources. It was proven there weren't enough personnel who were humane, who were empathetic to those in need. The judicial system, as we all know, is busted, like truly busted. And you know, this is a major abuse of the authorities. This is major abuse of the the state of California because they this. This facility itself should have, while they decertified it, they should have just entirely shut it down because they were still not meeting all of the different codes they were violating. So, you know, that's my thought on that. This facility was severely understaffed. Um, had the facility had all of the correct resources, had the facility gotten an overhaul, basically, of personnel who were properly trained, uh, resources that could help these kids while they're awaiting, you know, like their trial date or awaiting to be relocated to a new juvenile detention center. Um, and had they actually taken the health of the youth seriously, maybe this wouldn't be happening. And we wouldn't be jumping to this automatic conclusion of this this area being demonic. Now, while there were claims that, you know, kids were drawing sigils and blood and they're speaking in tongues and, you know, all of this stuff. Some of this also does scream, it does scream a mental health issue. And it also screams, you know, a cry for attention, a cry for help. Kids who are staying in a small cell, you know, dealing with other kids acting out and lashing out, guards abusing their authority and such. And, you know, this would make, this kind of place would send even the strongest man into feeling the, the deep, deep feelings of despair and sadness. Uh, being in the same cell day in and day out, night after night, would even cause the sanest person to see shadows and hear things around them. You know, if you've ever been depressed or if you've ever dealt with mental 
mental health issues, you know that it can feel like everything is against you and you have nowhere else to go. So I'm highly, highly annoyed at how <laughs> Ghost Adventures showcased this area as demonic. I'm not saying that those guards who, the ones that they did do investigate, or the ones that they did interview at the location, who, I mean, came off on the TV as very decent human beings, and the youths who did experience all the evil in the facility isn't true. That is, that's their experiences. I am not discrediting their, their experiences at all. Um, I do believe them more than the Ghost Adventures guys. And I'm not saying that the, <laughs> that Zap Bagans in them, what they felt around them wasn't real. I mean, I'm sure it was. I wasn't there. You know, you can't discredit someone else's findings. Unless you have blatant proof. I would just like to point out that over the years, the show itself has went from trying to find proof to, I think at one point they decided they were going to try and start debunking while investigating. And then from there, it just seemed like, you know, let's make everything demonic. So, you know, they just, it just went on a really weird They scaled, I won't say, they, I won't even say that they scaled up. The show has changed drastically over the years, and I'm just not, I'm not always in agreement with how they get their information or how they treat the information that they receive or how they uh, perceive it to the general public. Um, I don't always agree nor believe what they show, and that's just me and my skeptic side, truly skeptic, um, because I like... I like physical hard proof, and sometimes when I'm watching their show, I'm like, eh, I mean, was that really an orb, or was it a piece of dust, you know? Um, <clears throat> I do find it hard to be, hard for it to be credible when, God, I don't even know how many seasons now, I know, what are we on, like, season 25, 26 now? Um, I find it hard to find it, I find it hard to find it credible when there have been multiple other locations that they investigate that were seen to have demonic forces and they had all of this crazy crap shit happen to them. And then you turn around and you watch like Destination Fair, which is actually a, now I won't say it's a spin off, but you know, Dakota had worked and I would probably say more like a, did like an internship with Ghost Adventures. You know, they go to the locations and they're not easily, I won't say they're not easily, but they're not immediately jumping to, you know, oh, it's demonic. You know, Ghost Brothers. Ghost Brothers is another one. They're not immediately, you know, they're telling you the stories. They're telling you the research that they have. Oh, there's stuff saying that there is, you know, like a demonic presence. But, you know, if they don't find it, they don't say anything about it. So that's just me. Um, and, uh, you know, people who have, everyday people, people who do this for like a hobby or for fun or on a smaller scale that don't necessarily have the TV show. Those who are on YouTube, you know, are going to the same locations as Ghost Adventures and not getting the same <laughs> demonic presence, demonic overtaking that, you know, Ghost Adventures gets. And I'm not saying everyone's, you know, investigation's the same, but I just find it really hard to believe that all these locations that the Ghost Adventure guys, you know, touch are, are demonic. So that's just me. Um, so yeah, take it as you will. I still like watching them. They're a hoot. 
mainly I like a good laugh, <laughs> you know, and I like to see if they've, they've picked up any more new locations that I could add to my spooky, scary investigation list, you know, my, my bucket list, my travel bucket list or whatever. Um, yeah, so that is the episode. Uh, let me give you a couple of sources that I got the information from. So we have topjuveniledefender.com uh, like that, backslash Los Padrinos uh, HTML that actually gave me the most background information on it. Um, and then obviously Discovery Plus is streaming Ghost Adventures Devil's Den. And then the couple of quotations from Zach Bagans that I mentioned earlier in the episode uh, is from therap.com, Ghost Adventures Devil Den, Devil's Den, Zach Bagans interview video. So, and that concludes my episode here on Devil's Den or Los Padrinos Juvenile Detention Center. And before I go, I do just want to give a couple of shout outs to a couple of podcasts that I have been listening to nonstop during my work week. Um, my first one is the, oh, give me a second, sorry. Uh, my first one is the Zed podcast, and that's the, and then capital D, period, E, period, A, period, D, podcast. You can check them out on, I believe it's on Apple. And on Spotify, I know I listen to them on Spotify right now. Uh, another one is the Two Ghouls podcast. They're amazing. And then my last one is a Paranormal State of Mind podcast. So actually, I wanted to give a shout out to three podcasts today. Um, I They're great paranormal podcasts. Um, the two, the Dead podcast um, is amazing. They kind of cover, not kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, I apologize, ladies. Um, it is Desi and Emmy's, so D-E-A-D is an acronym. It is Desi and Emmy's Abnormal Discoveries. So they talk about ghosts, demons, religions, uh, tarot, astrology, and more. Their past two episodes I have thoroughly enjoyed. So there are only two episodes in, but their first two episodes have been amazing. Um, one was about the rosary very informative. And then the second one was about uh, the evil eye, which learning what different cultures and how they interpret that evil eye is amazing. I absolutely loved it. Thank you, ladies. And I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and I will see you at the next episode. Well, that concludes this episode of the Paranormal Misfits. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you want to keep up with the latest and greatest, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're listening to on, and give me a follow on Instagram at paranormalmisfit. If you have your own spooky paranormal story you'd like to share or want to hear about a particular lore, place, or whatnot, please feel free to drop me a DM in Instagram, and on that note, I will catch you all later at the next episode, my ghouls. Thank you.